such a joy and it's wonderful to be here uh, among the brethren once more. Really appreciate everything that um, y'all, um, as as a church family and as fellow brethren, um, do for us um, whenever we make the trek up here. So again, uh, I know it goes without saying, but it's really, really a blessing to us. Uh, we really appreciate everything that you do. The warm welcome um, that you provide for us such a blessing. This morning, <clears throat> Psalm 67, if you will, Psalm 67. This is, this is a few thoughts that, well, have been rattling around my brain um, quite recently. Actually, a lot of things have been rattling around my brain recently. <laughs> which, which if you had known me when I was younger, a, a really great improvement. <laughs> um, let me read for us this morning, and, and then we get into it. God be merciful unto us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. That's, that's the ironic blessing right there. That thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Let me pray for us as we start. Our Heavenly Father and great God, we appreciate your goodness that you have bestowed on us in the land of the living. I ask this morning that you will bless your word to the hearts of your people. Your prophet Jeremiah said that your word is like a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces. God, even so, if our hearts need breaking, God, that you would do so. Father, I, I don't know what it is, God, that have brought your people here this morning. I, I don't know what state of life, what situations are going on in their life. God, that they have brought when they've walked through the door. But I ask this morning that you would meet everyone where they are. God, some people that maybe came here this morning, they just need something to fill their souls. God, I ask that you would fill them. Even as we heard earlier this morning, God, that your word would not only break, but also build up. And therefore, God, produce fruits in our lives that are worthy of our soon coming kingdom. These things I ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This, this psalm, um, if I could, even before I say that, um, there has been, or there is, continuing new studies going through the book of Psalms, um, especially since recently, and when I mean recently, probably if in, uh, last couple of decades majority of the time people thought that the psalms were random put together uh, without any form or fashion but 
Continuous studies have shown that the Psalms are, are a unified whole, and that uh, therefore that has opened up several different avenues of study in turn in, in, with respect to um, why certain Psalms are placed in the position that they're placed. Um, I'm not going to go into detail where that is concerned, but rather uh, I want to look at this Psalm within its within its own context here, a couple thoughts um, on it for us, and then have God do the rest. I, I remember sharing this, this particular text with the church back home with reference to our missionary month. And since it has been going over in my mind a little bit more, I would like to bring those thoughts to your attention this morning. Psalm 67, by nature, is a chiastic psalm. A chiastic psalm, for those that maybe have never heard that term before, but a uh, chiasm is a, a type of literary structure that the writers of the Hebrew writers implemented pretty often in order to point the reader to what they really wanted their audience to take great note of. You know, in our Western world, when we write poetry or when we write any, any type of artistic or stylistic um, type of writing, more often than not, our westernized way of writing poetry relies heavily on rhyming. You know, roses are red, violets are blue, so on and so on. Go jump in a lake. Uh, <laughs> it, it's all based on rhyme, you know. So, so, so more often than not, um, that, that, that is what heavily drives our, our, our artistic writing. Back in the biblical times, that wasn't the case. He, Hebrew authors didn't care much about if it rhymed or not. They were more concerned about where you place the accent on which syllable. They were more concerned with, with meter rather than rhyme. And in many cases, they, they wrote in such a structured way that would have enabled the readers to identify what it is that they really wanted us to pay, take note of. So that's the case with this song. And it's and it's structure. What I mean by chiasm? If I could, if, when I used to teach, I, I used to explain it this way. Um, you know, if one, if you decide to leave from here, if you don't head on over to to Brother Tracy Church, but if you decide to head over, you know, you leave from here, you decide, you know what, I want a sandwich, so I'm going to head over to Subway, and you decide, you know, what, I'm going to buy, I don't know, a meatball sandwich. So you get your stuff. How would you know if you got a meatball sandwich? It's not a trick question. Um, you would know you have a meatball sandwich if there are meatballs in the sandwich. That's pretty straightforward, you know. It, a, meat, a meatball sandwich is more about what is in between the two slices of bread. It's not about the bread, it's about what's in between the bread. So what what's, what is that is in between the bread pretty much explains everything. Because bread is bread. 
And that is pretty much the same way a chiastic structure works. Um, think of it as a mountain peak, if you will. Or better yet, think of it as a, a book. A book, and the thing that holds the book together is the spine. If you take the spine out of the book, well, you just got a bunch of pages. And if the wind is blowing really strong, you have nothing. Uh, but that's what a chiastic structure is. So if you think uh, of it as a mountain top, the peak, the pinnacle, that's the point. So if, if we were to take that and look at this psalm, you will clearly see what I'm talking about. In respects that verse 1 and verse 7 correspond to each other, verse 2 and verse 6 correspond to each other, verse 3 and verse 5 correspond to each other, and what we have in the middle is verse 4. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Everything in this psalm hinges upon that verse. Notice in verse 1, we have the ironic blessing. May God be merciful unto us. And what do we have in verse 7? God will be merciful unto us. What do we have in verse 2? That thy way, may the way but may thy way be known upon the earth and thy saving health among all nations. What do we have in verse 6? We have the earth now bringing forth its fruit. Then the earth shall yield her increase. And then verse 3 and verse 5 correspond. Same refrain. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. All pointing to what the author of this song, the linchpin of this song, the important verse of this song, the thing that drives it, that makes it all go. Oh, let the nations be glad. Let them sing for joy. And, thou, and those words sing and joy, guess what? It's the same word in the Hebrew. So the idea here is let the nations be glad and let them be extremely glad. Why? Why should the nations of the earth be glad? Because God will judge the people righteously. Or some translations say with justice and he shall govern the nations upon the earth just two things out of this verse really it speaks concerning the nations let the nations be glad why because God shall shall judge the people righteously or with justice that word righteously literally means to have a level playing field to have a level playing field 
talking about that, I went to see a Little League football game yesterday. It was not a level playing field, but the field they played on was level. The size worked. Pastor Tracy's grandson got shellacked. Got, and that's the only way. That's the only way to put it. Got totally destroyed. It was so bad, the referee said, you know what, at halftime, you're just gonna, you're just gonna end this. It was a mercy killer. <laughs> yep. The mercy rule kicked in and we were gone. It was time to eat. <laughs> so on, on one team, yeah, and, and I mean, this little league, so I, I don't know what, it was like, what, six, seven, eight, somewhere around there, eight, nine, ten. And so, so their team is down here, and the other team is like up here, and and you know, and, and these parents, these these parents are shouting, you know, oh line, you gotta, you gotta push, you gotta. There was no push. All right, there was no push. Um, their quarterback wasn't strong enough to throw the ball. The other quarterback was just slinging it all over. It, it was a massacre. It was not a level playing field. But this, this, this word, the idea of righteously, means that there is going to be a level playing field. Why is that, why is that so important? Why is that such a big deal? What, why, why is it that the nations will finally be glad and happy as opposed to be being in turmoil and strife? Why, why is this such an incredible turn of events? Because there isn't a level playing field in this world. There isn't, there isn't, a, a, there isn't a system within this world that treats people fairly. There isn't. Why is it that there are people, and, and you can watch this throughout the world, why is it that there are people scrambling to leave their home country? Why is it that, and talking to, to, to brother, brother Gopi yesterday, Venezuelans are, are just literally on jet skis heading for Trinidad. Why, why are they running? Because they are in a place where their country is not operating fairly. Why is it that the world seems to be just lopsided? Because the system is not fair. Because those that would that would be at the top of, as we put it, the food chain, where they're at the top for a reason. Most people, or most people that accumulate wealth, most people that climb the ladder of success, often climb the ladder of success, often gain all that they have at the expense of someone else. So life isn't fair. So the world isn't fair. So the system isn't fair. So the nations are in an uproar. You talk to anybody, you talk to 
you talk to most people, as you see it, in the world, and all they are looking for is a fear sheep. Most people. All of it. That, I remember. I remember reading um, an article. This was written by a Muslim woman. Um, this this was a couple of years back. And she said, for the majority of, of people in, in her country, you know, it, she just said, if you were given a fear, if you were given a fear chance, we'd be happy with that. You know, we, we could understand, we'd be, we'd be happy with that. You know, if we want or we lose, it doesn't matter. Once we got a fear chance, we'd be happy with that. But the reality to her was, because in her country, this, this concept of justice, this concept of fairness, this concept of righteousness didn't exist. You, in, in, as we trans, trans, as we translate and we come over to our society, we look at the justice system. We all know this. There's one type of justice for one set of people and another type of justice for another set of people. And that above most things is what tends to, to send people into a tailspin. Because everyone does not get that same treatment, that same level of justice as others. This is the world that we live in. That's why people are in an uproar. Because they see they 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 see two, three, four, five different levels. Playing field is not level. For most of you that work, if I were to ask you do you believe you get compensated at work fairly for the work you do? Most people, if they were honest, would say no. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Most people would say no. Because more often than not, you don't get paid what you're worth in your work. It's not a fair system. And that's the world we live in. And that's why, that's why the world is in a tailspin. But the psalmist here encourages the nations to be glad because there is coming a time when the playing field will be level. There is coming a time when the system of this world will be run by someone that will bring equity and justice to it. That everyone will get exactly what they are worth. And that's a wonderful thing. But it's also a scary thing. Because they know there's some people that work 
that get to work just before lunch and then take extended lunch and then come back just in time to pack up and go home and believe they don't get paid what they're worth. Yet in this system, they will definitely get paid what they're worth. And they will not be able to say that they weren't paid what they're worth. And that's the scary part because it works positively and it works negatively. There'll be no way to hide. You will be compensated based upon exactly what you are worth. But the psalmist says, this is a cause for the nations to rejoice because finally there is someone that is going to come that will set things right. No longer will you have to be in turmoil because of an, a, 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 a crooked playing field. No longer will you have to be judged based upon a crooked standard. No longer will you be put at disadvantage because of where you are, what your last name is, where you live, who you know, who you don't know, or who dislikes you. Everything will be fair. So rejoice. Not only that, not only will everything be fair, but he will act like a shepherd. That word there that says govern the nations means to lead. This king will not only bring a level of justice and righteousness, he will also shepherd his, the nations of the earth. We should bring to mind Psalm 23. And I know we spend a lot of time in Psalm 23 speaking of it as a shepherd's psalm, and so it is. But Psalm 23 is also a royal psalm. It's a kingly psalm. Because in the ancient times, the king was seen as the shepherd of his people. You look at the reliefs of the pharaohs, and they had two implements in their hand. One was the crook, the crooked um, staff, and then the straight staff. They were implements of the rule of a king, which illustrated or which pointed to the, the staff as a shepherd and then the one as a judge. Kings were seen as shepherds of the people. He took care of his people. He led the people. He provided for the people. So the what the 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 verse, the idea, the concept that this psalmist wants to drive home to us in this psalm is that there will come a time where the system of this world will be transformed by a coming monarch, a coming king. He will level the playing field. He will make all the crooked ways straight. He will make all of the uneven parts level. And then he will lead the people. This is what is going to make the nations rejoice. Let the nations be happy because finally, finally after all of this time, 
we will have a king that will do right. And that's what everyone's looking for. That's what they're all, that's, that's it. That's what everyone is looking for. They just want, they just want, they just want to be able to live in a place where they are given a fair shake. That's it. Not to get political, but if if you ask if if the majority of people, majority of refugees in the world, no matter where they're coming from or where they're going to, if they knew that they would get a fair shake when they return home, they would. They would. They would. I would I would I would bet on it. But because they know they aren't. They're gone. What? So what? What do we take away from this? What? What is the exhortation that we we derive from this psalm that we can take home? This is the ultimate direction of the scripture. And this is part and parcel, this is the encapsulation of the good news. What we call the gospel or the promise. This is it right here. The message and the truth that we heard that we must continue to preach is that there is coming a time where eventually this is going to be the reality. You better believe it. That despite the disarray and despite the anger and the hostility and the confusion of the nations of the world and they're fighting and as, as Psalm 1 would say they're even fighting against God and his anointed well they're fighting against God and his anointed because they don't know who God is and more often than not they don't know who God is because of us not that we don't tell them who God is but as one of our brothers was preaching last Saturday, we don't show them who God is. What do I mean by that? The Bible says that no man has seen God at any time. But Jesus himself said that if we were to love one another, then people will see exactly who God is. So the truth this morning that we heard that must continue to be spoken is part and parcel of the truth that we have to exhibit. I remember it was it was a couple years ago. I remember Brother Willis even said it when he was in St. Vincent. The world does not need 
another definition. It needs a demonstration. Why is it that the nations don't know God? Because we don't show them who God is. Not necessarily that we don't speak it, because we do a lot of speaking. The, the name God of Jesus is out in the world. You know, ask anybody if you know who Jesus is, they would say, I heard about him. But most of them just, they, they don't know because they can't see. Because we don't show them. Because many times there's this lack of love among the brethren. And we were talking yesterday, um, a couple of us, and we were, we were saying, you know, one of the key features, is, it's not the only feature, but one of the key features that you can point to, that you can tell that maybe this teaching, this doctrine is correct, is by how the people, the attitude of the people that believe it. You know? You, you, sometimes you, you're speaking to someone of a, of a different persuasion or a different religion, and sometimes when you ask them a question, all of a sudden their countenance changes, and it's like, you know, Batman, or I mean, like, you know, like, Two face, <laughs> or once it changed from happy to crazy. You know, you, you just you just ask them one question uh, about what they believe, and then you know it's just like, and they just go ballistic. And you think, well, that's not really nice. And it's a shame because this is what the Bible says, you know, everyone is going to know that you're my disciples if, if, if you demonstrate this love one for another, the same way that I have demonstrated this love for you. So many times the nations, they don't know who God is because we don't show them who God is. So they are, so they are fighting. Sometimes we, we end up in this struggle with each other. And then we wonder why it is that the nations are fighting. Um, because they don't know God. But as you move to the Psalms, as you read the Psalms, you would notice that there is going to be a time that nations are going to be exceedingly glad because they're going to come to know this God. And they're going to understand who this God is. And they're going to see this God as a God that makes everything right. He levels the plains field for all. He shepherds the nations. He leads them. He governs them. And, and, and he takes care of them. Every single person in this world, all the nations on this earth, they're waiting for someone that will be able to do this. Someone that will be able to bring about verse 6. Someone that will be able to bring about via their rulership the ability for the earth to yield her increase. Someone 
that will be able to truly have verse one work. This is what everyone's looking for. That's, that's why every four years we all go to the pools with some, well not me, but every four years, four or five years, most people go to the pools with some hope that the next person is going to do it. Yeah, that's the only reason people go to the pools. Because they think maybe this guy is going to do it, or maybe this one's going to do it. Maybe, you know, things will change. Maybe finally, you know, we'd, we'd get our life back on track, we'd be able to Eh, year after year, disappointment and dread. But this is it. This is it. That truth that we are, we have been told to proclaim, this is the encapsulation of that truth. <clears throat> that there is a king coming. The New Testament will identify this king as Jesus. The book of Isaiah will tell us about this king that we just sung about, Emmanuel, the God that is, that's his name. The God that is what? The God that is there. This God takes upon him the responsibility of government. Isaiah says that the government will be placed upon his shoulder. He takes upon himself the mantle of responsibility of the government and of governance. That's what he does. Daniel will tell us that his kingdom will smash all the other kingdoms of the world to nothing. And his kingdom will fill the earth. And verse 6 is the result. Now he will lead the nation like a shepherd. This is the good news. This is the good news. The good news that the nations want to hear. Because the nations want to rejoice. They do. The nations want to be glad. The nations want to sing for joy. No one wants to be angry. No one wants to fight. No one wants to struggle. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone, no one wants to, unless you're Oscar the Grouch, everyone wants to be happy. It's the reality. The problem is, everyone wants to be happy, everyone wants to get that happiness in their own way, and that's not how it works. This is it. This is the message. This is the hope. This is what is going to bring this exceedingly great rejoicing and the gladness of the nations. This is it. 
a king that will come, that will judge the people, that will level the playing field, that will lead the nations, that will bring forth an increase of the earth, whose face will shine upon us and will bless us. This is the message that we preach. This is the message that we believe. This is the God that we serve, the eternal King, Jesus the Christ. Let's pray. Father, lead on, O eternal King, the one who will bring the nation such joy, such gladness, such such enjoyment when you do take your throne. God, until then, help us to be heralders of this great truth. Jesus the Savior, the Lamb of God, who will ascend the throne and who will rule and who will guide like a shepherd who will lead us into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We appreciate your goodness to us this side of heaven. We, we, sometimes God, I am in complete awe of, of you and how you never tire of us you are always there even God in times where we think that you ought not to be just because we are who we are and you are who you are God I ask that you would continue to work in lives transforming us through your word and the power of your Holy Spirit God I thank you for your graciousness God, I ask that you will cause your face to shine upon us and bless us and give us your peace. These things I ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen.